Cool. It's this whole <laughs> this whole setup. Hold on, I'm gonna close some things here. I've got a little delay going on. So what's going on with you while I'm getting this shut down? Nothing much, sir. Everything is going well. Looks, you look good. <laughs> I haven't seen you in a long time. I know it's been a little bit. Yeah, been a minute, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> My computer's running really slow. I'm trying to shut some stuff down real quick. All right, let's see if that helps. <clears throat> All right, let me know when you're ready. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> hey everybody, it's Dr. William Clark here for Leadership Conversations. This is the show where we talk about leadership according to the world that matters to you. I'm happy this morning to have my good friend, Dr. Philip Foster, on the line with me. Philip, what's going on, man? Hey, how are you? Good to see you again. It's been a while. I'm good. It's been a while. You know, I've had um, members on my team, they somehow have discovered our previous conversations when leadership conversations, whatever the iteration was before that, uh, was getting started. People have discovered that. And, you know, they would talk about the things that they have, have observed, you know, watching me, you, Dr. Hughes and Dr. Uh, Dr. Bolster. Um, yep. Oh, Studerman. Yeah, I forgot. Sorry about that, Karen. Love you. Name change there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shout out. And people discovered kind of our old stuff, man. We used to, we were doing this, was it once a week for a good year or so? It was, yeah, it was pretty often and maybe not once a week, but definitely no, at at least once, once a month. Yeah, it was twice a month. That's what it was. And it, and we definitely had a, a tight schedule there and, and folks are still kind of chewing on some of the things we talked about. So it's good to it's good. connect with you again, sir. So for those of you that don't know Dr. Foster's um, work, he he specializes in uh, open organizations and now um, he is a success coach, um, probably has always been. And a lot of his uh, conversation these days has been focused on entrepreneurship. And we decided we wanted to jump on the line and um, jump on this podcast for those of you who are listening to talk about monetizing your passion. Now, um, we know that a lot of folks out here, Philip, they have passions and they make money. They don't know how to marry the two. For me in a nonprofit world, um, I'm constantly having that conversation. I'm actually working on a project now called All About the Money. Um, and it is an ongoing conversation uh, about how nonprofits can marry their passion and their interest to earned revenue strategies. So this is a relevant topic for me and the folks that uh, tune into this podcast and certainly for, for your audience as well. So uh, let's talk about really quickly, this is an old throwback. What does leadership mean to you, man? So leadership is this concept uh, where you are uh, inviting other people along a journey with you. Uh, it is all about a group activity. Uh, leadership is uh, kind of taking a, uh, a front point position where you're showing the way, you're illuminating the pathway, and you're um, helping others to realize that the ability to travel that pathway as well. Yeah. So that's what leadership is to me. 
And every yeah. time you ask me that question, I think I say something different, but it, it, it means the same thing to me. You know, and I'll just add to it. You know, I share with my audience all the time. Leadership is about influence and influence shows yeah. up in so many ways. I am constantly amazed at how um, how many opportunities I'm given, I'm presented with to to influence people. Right. So even today, you know, doing this podcast with you is an opportunity to influence folks, to share with people um, good information that perhaps can change the outcome of their work and how they pursue their passion. So I'm so with you on that. So, so let, I, I, I want to just say one more thing about that. that yeah. uh, I think there's a mythology to leadership that only certain people are leaders. And I would argue that at any given time of a day, you're a leader. When you make a decision, when you influence, uh, you're, you're, a, you're a leader. And so uh, leadership is not relegated to just one or two people or, or a certain set of people in your organization or around your neighborhood or your community. You are a leader by definition when you enter into a decision-making or an, an influential mode. Yes, totally agree with that. You could be the CEO or you can be the secretary. You could be a leader. There's someone on my team um, she does not have decision-making power, but she has influence in certain areas that certainly I have been unsuccessful in. And what we do as a team, we leverage her. You know, we leverage her leadership and we leverage her influence to get certain things done. And for those of you who feel like you need a title, there is a relevance to that desire and that statement. But in, the, in its purest sense, leadership is about influence and it doesn't require a title. That's right. And we're all leaders and we're all followers. Amen to that. Amen to that. <laughs> so let, let's jump into the topic, man. Um, you have been killing it talking about entrepreneurship. I've been catching your stuff. I'm digesting the stuff that you're sharing. I'm trying to live it every day. Let's, oh, let's start off the conversation talking about what is entrepreneurship? How do we define that? Well, I think the simple essence of entrepreneurship is the desire to master and control your own fate when it comes to your income into your, your life work. Um, entrepreneurship is about risk taking in many, many ways. It's about um, not just risk taking, but um, taking some sort of imagination or thought and moving it toward completion. And, and entrepreneurship is not a destination. It's, it's a journey. It's a process. It, you know, it's like goal setting. You don't just get to a goal and you're done. You get to a goal so that you can create another goal. And entrepreneurship is very much like that. It's, you know, uh, I, I get, I get a little laugh when I get on like LinkedIn or something and I see someone's posted in their title, retired entrepreneur. I don't believe there's ever such a thing as a retired entrepreneur. If you're an entrepreneur, you're always thinking about the next thing. How are you going to do something? How are you going to grow something? And entrepreneurship is not necessarily about necessarily being a business owner. You can be an employee or you can be, uh, you can be employed in not-for-profit even and have an entrepreneurial mindset. Entrepreneurship is about creating um, answers to questions. Entrepreneurship is about creating possibilities where none appeared to exist before. It's about over, it's about almost creating this idea of overcoming um, some insurmountable odd to, to actually achieve something. You know, you look at uh, any Olympic athlete, any Olympiad, 
and they're they are in that essence an entrepreneur they are overcoming and achieving something great that not everyone sets out to do let's talk a little bit more about that you you said that you don't have to start a business to be an entrepreneur can you let's talk about the entrepreneur the entrepreneurship mindset what does that look like to have an entrepreneurship mindset if you're not going to start a business well, i think the simplest way is if you're in a meeting and you have two two different types of people uh, talking about you, you. You're the leader, and you say we are going to achieve X, Y, and Z. There's two types of people that end up in that room. There's going to be one person that's going to find ways that it can't be done. They're going to find every way. Well, we can't do that. We've never done that before, or we've tried that before and it didn't work. Then you're going to have the entrepreneur mindset. That's the person that's like, yeah, let's do it. And here are some ideas, or maybe I don't have an idea, but I'm going to go do some research. It's the person who sees the possibility of overcoming the obstacle. They may not know what the obstacle is. They may not know how to overcome that obstacle, but they see that there's a possibility of doing it. You know, if we want to go back to a scriptural level, it's, it's that idea of the faith of a mustard seed or the faith to move a mountain. We don't know how we're going to do it. We don't even know how a little mustard seed grows a huge tree, but it does. There's everything that's locked in that little tiny speck of a seed is everything that that tree needs to be to be a big tree. And so that is the, the entrepreneurial mindset is how do we look at something and find a way, know that we can find a way around it or over it or under it or through it. We don't know how we're going to do that. We just know we're going to do that. That's an wow. entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm, I'm seeing this. You're saying that uh, entrepreneurship mindset is seeing the possibility of a solution. And you talked about having a faith the size of a mustard seed. For those of you who are wondering what faith is, faith is simply action. It is an actionable, um, it is taking action to pursue what you believe is a possibility. Right? And, it's, and it's going through that with the inability to see it at the moment. Yes. It's yes. Seeing, seeing the unseen. I recorded a podcast yesterday, and one of the things, this is one of my favorite examples in terms of how do you describe faith and how do you describe your belief in the unknown. And that is when you get up in the morning and you're on your way to work, you are going to get into your car because that is your mode of transportation. And you're going to get into that car. You're going to click the button. It's going to unlock. You're going to stick your key in there. You're going to turn ignition and go. And that is um, kind of a simplified version of faith in that it is so it is an unknown of what happened to your car the night before. You don't worry about the battery. You don't worry about the gas. All you know is that if I do this, the car will turn on and move forward. And therefore, I'm going to act on that belief or that systematic thought. Yep. Yep. And if you can understand that, that is what faith is and what Philip is saying is that when you take that mentality to your work that I don't necessarily know how at the moment, but I can see the possibility of a solution and I'm going to develop a couple of ideas, that is practicing faith and that is practicing entrepreneurship. In fact, um, and you may have caught this when I did a video a couple of weeks ago where I said that entrepreneurs are the most faith-focused people I know. Mm. 
And that kind of caused a little controversy on the backside where you couldn't see it publicly, but there were some people that were, you know, non-believers, if you want to go with the Christian terminology, um, atheist and otherwise, and they were pushing back on it. You know, oh, I'm not a Christian. Uh, you know, I don't understand why. I was like, no, you missed the point in this. Entrepreneurship is not about Christianity or, or Buddhism or Islam or any of that. It, what it is is about having a faith belief in something that you can't see and going ahead and doing it anyways. And to me, that is the essence of Christianity there. But it, it says to me that anyone that's an entrepreneur is the most, most faith-focused individual you'll ever see, mm. even if they're not a Christian. Man, that, that's so good because I, I'm, I see uh, in so many instances, people need to see the outcome before they take the next step. Yeah, and if you look at Napoleon yeah. Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich, which is not a Christian book by any right. stretch of imagination, it's it's more on the realm of New Ageism if you want to you know head in that direction. But but he, there's so much truth in that, and that is that that you know you will achieve whatever you believe. In other words, your mindset puts you in the direction of your goal, and sustaining that mindset is the key to reaching your goals. And that is really the the fuel, the jet fuel to entrepreneurship is the mindset, how we see ourselves, believe in ourselves, see the opportunity, sustain ourselves through the rough times because it it's not about um, it's not about the achievement of the goal. It's about the journey that we took to get there. It's all about the learning process because we're going to fail. We're going to fall down. We're going to get hurt. We're going to do things wrong. We're not going to do it all right. Any entrepreneur that's ever said to you, oh yeah, I had a great ride. They're lying to you. Somewhere in there, they had a rough patch. And really it's the rough patches that are the, um, <laughs> they're the doctorate. They're the PhD to our goal. They're, they're how we achieve what we're trying to go for. Man, uh, I, I just want to highlight something you talked about, um, sustaining that faith mindset, sustaining that mindset of pursuing something in spite of not being able to see the end result mm -hmm. is what faith is, is what entrepreneurship is. In my world, for those of you who are part of the nonprofit world, and this goes for the for-profit world too, we are operating programs and projects, believing that we're going to get to the end of the grant cycle, which may be two to three years down the road. And you may have a plan in place, but you practice faith, you practice entrepreneurship by executing that plan that was developed, knowing that there will be hiccups along the way, there will be roadblocks along the way, there will be rough patches, as Philip talked about along the way, that will undoubtedly challenge the plan, challenge you, and the challenge that you have above all is to sustain that mindset of I'm going to find a solution even when I can't see the way through to it or I don't know how to make that solution a reality just yet. And you know, the, the, the key to this is the fact that we as humans, our human nature is we leak. We leak. We, we, we put something in us and it falls out. You know, it's, it's why we have to continually go back to the, the well to uh, get, you know, to be sustained along the way. You know, if you're in a faith-based uh, thing, you know, people say, well, why do you go to church? It's because I need to be fed. I need to be filled because we leak. 
If you're looking at it from an entrepreneur standpoint, you need to fill your mind with positive information and positive action to keep you focused in a positive way. Uh, it's the fuel that runs the engine. And for me, it's all about, um, you know, daily I pray, daily I fill my head with positive affirmations. Uh, sometimes I have to um, meditate and meditation is about being self-aware. It's about finding your focus and staying focused. And so we have to do that on a daily basis if we're going to sustain um, the velocity toward uh, our successes. Totally agree with that, man. I totally agree with that. That that inspired me. So you reach in for the word. I'd see it. That's the preacher in you right there, I can tell. I'll find what I'm looking for in a minute. But let me let me go to this next question. And you know, we just talked about how do you become an entrepreneur. Um, so how do we identify our passion? Because the topic today is monetizing your passion. How do we identify our passion areas before we start talking about monetization? So I will preface this with, I just had a communication through Facebook, one of my Facebook groups. There's a young guy there, young, young family man. And he just left the ministry. He was a youth pastor and he resigned. And uh, I don't know all the backstory there, but um, he was saying to me, I want to be an entrepreneur. I feel like I need to be an entrepreneur, but I don't know what it is I'm supposed to do. And I, and because I'm a faith-based person, I obviously, and he's a faith-based person. I obviously said, well, first of all, you need to, um, you need to pray and ask for revelation because that's what faith-based people do. They say, we need to pray and, and find that revelation. But then I also said, you need to spend time thinking and focusing on what it is uh, that you want to do. And I said, really, the answer is quite simple in that, um, and I'm just going to pull it up. I said to this person, uh, you should spend time thinking about it and praying for revelation. I think you already know it is what you're natural. It is what you're naturally, uh, you know, thinking about doing. It's what you are naturally. It's how you have always helped people. It's not just formalizing. Uh, it it's actually uh, sustaining and pulling it all together as a business idea. So to to make that more simplistic, it's what excites you and makes you happy is what you are naturally bent toward. Now you might say, well, like this, this person, he said, well, my family makes me happy. And I said, okay, so that, that isn't going to be a business. You can't sell your family, but you can use them as a tool to motivate you. So let's go on to find out what else makes you happy. He said, well, I like to help people. It's like, okay, let's start there. How do you like to help people? See, he already knew what he liked to do. He already knew what he was passionate about. He already knew what he was excited about. He just needed to funnel that information into a place where he could start, you know, uh, molding it and, and forming it into something. And so at the end of it, he said, well, you know, I've always thought about being a life coach. I said, well, there's your answer. You need to pray about that and seek revelation in that. Um, that's, that's certainly a place to go. He's, you know, he's been in ministry, so that's already a place of helping people. Um, he is focused in on uh, specifically, he's interested in how do you, um, 
work with families. And so, you know, that's certainly going to be an opportunity for him. He, he's, uh, he's looking at how do you, uh, how do you help parents disciple children and lead them spiritually? Well, that is a whole niche market for coaching, uh, you know, and mentoring from a spiritual standpoint. So, so he already knows what he's going to do. And I would say to anyone listening to this, if you take long enough to think about what you're passionate about and what excites you and makes you happy, and I'm not talking about what motivates you, like, you know, maybe you want a fancy car or maybe your family motivates you or whatever. Those are, those are tools to sustain you toward your goal. I'm talking about the things you do every day. And even if you're not wanting to start your own business, if you're, if you're an employee, of a not-for-profit or even a profit organization, you have to have this idea of what what excites me. Think about your first day at a new job. You're wide-eyed, you're excited, you're, this is all new to you, everything's new. And then think about two years into it. Where are you mentally? Usually most people are like, hmm, I'm clicking along, but you know, I'm not excited about this anymore. Right. The question is how do we sustain that excitement? And it's usually because we're trading our skills for our, our passion. I can, I can do certain things skill wise, but there's other things that I'm passionate about. And then the question is, how do we marry those two? How do we, how do we marry our skills to our passion? Okay. So I was, I was just writing down a, uh, that particular question, which is, uh, does skill and passion overlap? And I think you just pretty much said that. Now, for me, who comes to mind from a biblical standpoint that fits that bill would be the biblical uh, Joseph in this case. Um, Joseph, um, to me, represents um, the, the overlap of passion and skill. So when you think about him as a child and his uh, ability to dream and interpret dreams as a child, uh, when you think about the time he's with his father and how he spent a lot of time learning the family business, right? He spent a lot of time understanding strategy, the behavioral patterns of sheep and cattle, the behavioral patterns of crop and the weather and the behavioral patterns of staff through his brothers. All of that became a skill he developed and also a passion he developed because when you look at what happened when he was sold into slavery when you look at what happened when he was in potiphar's house in the jail cell and ultimately in egypt there was a repeat of these skills that showed up in every scene of his life and it became such a passion of his that it became natural and i'll you know close this and turn it back over to you philip you know the passion shows up um um at the end, in, in a specific statement that Christians quote, non-Christians quote, and that statement is, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. At the end of the day, you meant to harm me, but it actually pushed me to set up the future for Israel, to set up the future for the world, to set up the future for the economic health and prosperity of Egypt, etc. So I look at the struggles that, um, if you if you talk, talk about Joseph, I look at the struggles he went through as the engagement process. If you're talking in the context of marriage, there, that's the engagement process. You're getting to know each other, the courting process. You're, you're getting to know each other, you're learning, you're, you're figuring out how to do things. And then at the end is a marriage and the marriage is the skills and the passion come together as one. And so, um, you know, you, you look at 
any challenges that you go through and trust me i've i'm been through challenges like anyone else and i am still working through challenges it's all about how do you learn from those challenges so that you can be better on the back end you know it's it's not a one and done it's an everyday process learning growing learning growing it's a churning anyone that's an entrepreneur has to convince themselves or otherwise know that they're a lifelong learner you know this this person i was talking to today through chat said i love learning i said well you're already halfway there you're an entrepreneur halfway if you love to learn that but that's not enough just learning is not enough you can know everything in the world you can be you know you can go and get a doctorate and i will tell you that um you're still going to learn more and in fact in the world of entrepreneurship as you know um it doesn't really matter if you have a phd or a doctorate what because an entrepreneur goes beyond phd level you know, I, I tell people all the time, there are so many things that are more difficult than getting a doctorate. Like anyone can go, if they want to study, write papers, they can get a doctorate. But it's difficult to be a parent. It's difficult to be a business leader or a business owner. It's difficult to be an entrepreneur. It's difficult just to be a member of society. Yep. You know, it's easy to go sit in a room and write papers, even if you don't know how to properly, you know, use grammar and punctuation. There, there's software out there that'll help you halfway with that. So you can yes. at least be a C student and still get a doctorate. My point yep. is, it's all about the learning. So huge. And I want to highlight a few things that uh, Philip said earlier, and he talked about praying for revelation. Uh, for those of you who are not of the Christian community or the faith community, any faith community, this shows up in a form of meditation, quiet time. What is it that the universe is saying to you that you should be pursuing? For Philip and I, our God speaks to us, and he's been revealing things to us over the years, man. And that revelation is so huge. I can tell you, Philip, just as an example for me, finding the marriage between skill and passion. I have an undergrad degree in, in IT. I love technology. I love, and, and for me, IT is not necessarily just about technology. IT is about the, the creation of efficient solutions that reduces wasted time and waste in general. So I, I love the concept that technology does that. When I was able to marry technology with the study of leadership, and the world of nonprofits, I found my sweet spot where that marriage works very, very well. I'm not wholly invested in the IT uh, industry where I'm a professional, but I know enough to have those conversations. I know enough to influence decisions nonprofits make around that, particularly ones I, I lead. And then of course, leadership, how that has impacted my world how it's impacted my clients. And then to know that my work from a tech perspective, from a leadership perspective, is having a direct impact on the life of someone and I get to see it real time. For me, that's been the marriage that has worked for me over my career. You know, uh, technology is really important to myself and I argue that it's really important to any entrepreneur that's out there. And I will share a couple of uh, apps that you can get on a, on a smartphone uh, to help you. And one of those is called simple habit. Uh, simple habit is a meditation 
software that takes like five minutes a day and they have everything from helping you to have a worry-free day to improve focus to reduce anxiety to plan a big day ahead uh, today is a good day commuting on your bus meditation i mean there's all these different meditations now you can do this for free but there is a pay for pay level as well the other app that i would mention to you is um spotify or youtube go to spotify or youtube and type in their uh, motivational speeches and you will get all sorts of you know really cool stuff the other thing on spotify you can listen to podcasts probably similar to this one um I, there's certain people I listen to, uh, podcast wise while I'm driving down the road or, you know, if I'm doing something like even when I'm taking a shower, I'll play a, you know, a podcast of someone that I'm following. And there's several people I listen to, um, out there that, that help me in that area. And then finally, I'd mention if you're looking to get in better health, I've been going through, um, an adjustment in my health. And so I've been exercising and trying to lose a bit, little bit of weight and eating right and everything. Now there's so many apps out there that you can um, that you can use. I actually use um, one app. It's called uh, it, it's a it's an exercise uh, app called Six Pack for Men. And and the reason why I chose that is because it allows me to do core exercises you know, like crunches and sit-ups and things like that. And these are exercises I would not normally do in a gym. Like when I go to the gym, I'm going to do treadmill, elliptical, and weights. So I'm going to do one of the, you know, so I'm going to do some cardio and I'm going to do some weights. But I'm not going to get on the floor and get all dirty and, you know, I mean, that's just who I am. But I will do that at home. I'll do these core exercises. And those are apps. They're free. Mm. They're free for you. There's no yeah. reason why you can't fill your mind, fix your body, fix your uh, and then there's, you know, if you're a faith-based person, I use use you version and I'll listen to scripture, you know, audio wise. So because I'm, I'm constantly trying to multitask. Now, some people say multitasking is bad. I do it in, in what I think is a good way. I multitask, um, you know, when, when I'm doing something that I could be focusing in on what's being said like driving or taking a shower or maybe I'm making dinner for my kids or whatever. I'm spending time that otherwise is mindless, you know, fluff going on your head. I'm using it to fill my spirit, fill my soul, fill my mind with positive, uh, powerful direction. I call it jet fuel for the soul. Mm. So I'm going to, when you talked about motivational speeches, you mentioned Spotify, I use Apple Music and I went straight to my Apple Music app, uh, typed in what you just said and found some stuff. I'm going to be listening to it and, and it looks like somebody created a playlist. And for those of you who are looking to do, to be, to engage in, in mind, mindfulness, motivational um, content, hey, Dr. Hughes, um, and to, um, to inspire yourself use spotify definitely use youtube use apple music and i'll throw in there also just mindfulness music it tends to you now the music i listen to tends to uh, uh leverage the sounds of nature to inspire mm -hmm. um thought and and mindfulness and prayer meditation and you'll find that those things may be helpful in inspiring thought and revealing to you what your passion should be 
Yep. I'll, I'll add one more app to that since you said the nature stuff. There is an app called uh, uh, Nature Sleep Sounds. Mm-hmm. And yep. you can yep. choose swamp, wind, car, waterfall, forest, rain, train, rain yeah. tent. I like the one that's the tent because it, you're, it's a sound of you in a tent and it's raining outside. And I just like yep. it. And so if, if you're going to take a power nap or something, um, that is powerful. It, it'll allow you to set a uh, time frame for like 10, 15 minutes and you can, um, and you can, uh, you know, focus and rest. And, and so that's what I like to do. You know, what's interesting about that too, um, is that when I listen to those sounds, it makes me feel closer to God because the, the sounds of nature is in essence the creation of God playing music back to me. Exactly. And so for believers out there, don't be afraid of that because if you're listening to the sound of rain, that God's creation falling down, gently creating the sound on the leaves, on the ocean bed, so that you can relax, or perhaps a gust of wind, or what about a fire crackling, man? The, yeah, the that peace is... that that's created when you when you listen to those natural sounds. I will tell you, and you've known me for a long time, and I, I bring this up quite often, even in my own videos that I do. Um, I love the mountains. Mm-hmm. Like I am, if I had my way, I'd live in the mountains, and and that's a future goal of mine. That is a goal that I have set for me. My wife wants to live on the beach, so we got to figure out how to have six months at the beach, six months in the mountains. We're we're working on that. We're mm-hmm. working through that. We're gonna marry that somehow. But <laughs> my, my thing is, for me, the mountains are my happy place. Uh-huh. Like I get into the mountains and I'm hiking, and I am seeing God's creation, and I could tell you. I've been through a lot of stuff and I've been close to God in times of really painful hurt. But the closest I am ever with God is when I'm in the mountains, when I'm on a hiking trail and I'm seeing God's creation. And I know we didn't mean for this to go totally spiritual, but for me, that's my happy place. That is my happy place. Now I will say while the mountains is your happy place, I felt, I feel that well when I'm on my road bike yeah, and you told me that before. And the pavement, and the trees, and the wind, and the squirrels, yep. and, and the sunshine, and God speaking, right? Yep. So it, it, it's beyond exercise, Philip. It's beyond getting in shape. It's beyond losing weight. Those moments, I have gotten some significant revelations by being out in nature and hearing God speak through his creation. But let me let me jump to this topic, and, and Dr. Hughes, you might want to jump in on this one. We're talking about monetizing your passion. Oh, wow. So we, we've talked about, you know, being an entrepreneur, both in the traditional sense, starting a business, as well as within an existing business organization. Then we talked about identifying your passion. Here's the big question, Dr. Uh, Dr. Foster. How do we monetize our passions? You're asking me? Yep. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so for me, how we monetize our passion is you're going to draw people or attract people to you when you're excited about what you're doing. Like they're just going to want to be a part of what you're doing. And so for me, my excitement is around how do I help people build their empire? How do I help people build their business? And you know, when, when you look at from strictly a business entrepreneurial standpoint, 
I'm asking the question, how do you build a six, seven or eight figure business? Now, some people might say seven or eight figures, that is a lot of money. How do I even imagine that? Well, let's start somewhere. Six figures, mm-hmm. million dollars. Okay. I mean, for goodness sakes, we just had a $1.6 billion national lottery just happened, which I think one person won. I can't even imagine winning a billion dollars. Okay. But my point is this, how do when you get excited about something and you're able to express that, like I've started doing a daily video and it's usually 10, 15 minutes long. It's not that long. I don't ask a long commitment from any of my viewers. So I'm on there 10, 15 minutes and I'm talking about a subject. And I'm going to tell you right now, I have post-it notes all over my desk right now. Like you see them right here. And I have, I'm constantly thinking about ideas, the things I want to talk about. I probably have like two weeks worth of ideas, 10 minute videos. Okay. Because I'm so passionate and excited about helping people to build a business. Why? Because I want to build my business. Why am I excited about that? Because I have goals. You know, uh, I, I have, you can't see it, but my my splash screen on my, on my computer, when I don't have any windows open, is a picture of a Maserati. Now a Maserati is like, I don't know, $150,000, $170,000 car. I like them, I think they're cool. Do I want it because I want to look chic or, or gauche or gaudy or whatever word you want to come up at, you know? No, I, I personally like a Maserati. You might like a BMW, you may like a Mercedes, you might like a, a Ferrari or, or whatever. I just happen to like Maseratis. Why? Because not everyone has them and I think they're neat. But my goal, my passion is how do I take care of my family? How do I feed them? How do I make sure I'm not in debt? How do I uh, release them from any of the bondages of the world that, that keep us held back? And so I get excited about sharing with people how they too can break loose of those things that are holding them back. Part of it is our mindset. We've talked about that. So you can tell I'm getting excited about this because this is something I'm passionate about. When our mindset changes, when we make a decision that we're no longer gonna be held back, listen, I am almost 50 years old. I'll be turning 50 in February. And thank you if you don't think I look that old, but I, I, that's, I'm getting ready to turn 50. It was about a year ago, and I know Dr. Hughes, you probably also uh, are familiar with this. I had said, you know what? I'm getting ready to turn 50 and I'm not where I wanna be in life. And so I made a decision almost 12 months ago that I was going to change the way I did business. I was going to change the way I focused on my market. I was going to change my target audience. I was going to change everything because what I was doing no longer worked. And so when I realized that what I had to offer was that we are entering into a time of unprecedented um, market growth. There are more and more entrepreneurs coming online every day. And in fact, businesses are increasing their intake of employees. And so businesses are growing. And I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of business owners out there, not just entrepreneurs, but business owners that have struggled for the last 10 years economically. And now all of a sudden they're faced with uh, their business is growing. It's thriving. They're having to hire more people. They've not had this experience before and they don't know what to do and so I said you know what I have an audience I have an audience of people that need help so I decided that I was no longer going to just do coaching and consulting I was going to say I'm a business coach that does coaching mentoring and masterminds and I'm going to call myself the success coach I I self-branded myself I made the decision that's who I was going to be and I started going that direction 
And I went from probably about a handful of, uh, let's say 2000 people following me on one social media platform to now I'm almost on one social media platform. I'm almost to 10,000 followers. I'm starting to get a mass following on Facebook. I'm starting to get a following on my, on my Twitter. Instagram is blowing up on me. The other day I did this uh, post called yet and it, in yet it means it hasn't happened. Uh, it's going to happen rather. And I put the success coach. I got almost 5,000 likes just off of that. So I'm starting to see this resonate because of my excitement. How do you monetize your passion is exactly that. You exude it, you show it, it becomes viral. People want it. They're like, you know what? I don't have that yet. I want what he's got. It's kind of like, you know, we talk about Christianity. People say, I want what they're having. You know, it's, or you go into a restaurant, you see this guy gets his beautiful steak and potatoes and you can smell it and it's sizzling. You're like, I want what he's having. So how do you monetize your passion? You show it, you, you exude it. Every chance you get, you have to get on like social media and you just have to preach it if you want. And here's the other thing. You can't just ooze your excitement. You have to have an ask at the end. For me, my ask is, Hey, if, if any of this, you know, resonates with you or you need some extra help, go to my website, mm -hmm. uh, follow me here, send me a message. Um, I'm starting a mastermind group. Maybe, maybe that'll be something that's helpful to you. And the other thing is you have to know your value. You can't just say, Oh, you know, I think I'm kind of, you can't be wimpy about it. Like there, there is a dime a dozen $20 life coaches out there. Mm -hmm. But you have to be confident in what you're asking. And for me, I made the choice of not being a $50 to $100 life coach. And I moved to what's called a high ticket coaching pr practice. And that means that I'm, I'm charging a premium for what I do. But the reason why I'm charging a premium is because I only want people that want to take action. That's and right. it's people that are going to painfully pay for something like that, that are going to take action because it's hurting them. And I don't mean to sound like I want people to hurt, but what I want is for people to have skin in the game. And what I found out when I was charging $150 an hour for a you know, coaching session and people would show up, they weren't moving the needle any. You know, right. I'm, I could be the best coach and I could be Tony Robbins charging $50 an hour and that's not gonna motivate them. When I started charging three, four and $5,000 a month for my coaching services, the needle was like spiking. People are making a, a change in their life. They're making, because they're like, shoot, if I'm gonna pay $5,000 a month, I'm gonna get to it. That's right. So how do you yep. monetize your passion? Exactly that. Exactly what Man. I just did. <laughs> I'm gonna share my three things, Dr. Hughes. I don't know if uh, you wanna jump in. Here's, here's where I'm at with monetizing your passion and some of this overlaps with what you said, Philip. Target your competency. You have to know what you are good at. Now, for the nonprofit leaders out there, for the nonprofit organizations, your competency may be, in fact, tied to the programs you are operating. And if that's what you're good at, great. Now, a competency is not something you develop because you say, I want that, right? We, we know too many nonprofits who want to fundraise, and the first thing that they do is a car wash or a cupcake sale, and it has nothing to do with their competency, and they have nobody on staff that can cook. Like pause, like that is not a competency. Competency is what you know how to do well. And Philip, you talked about it moments ago. 
it is directly connected to a skill that you have and it becomes natural to you and you're constantly studying how to improve that skill that's right for me in the space that I'm in, the, the competency that our team has is connected to workforce development, people development, training and case management. Anything else is a little extra, right? So target your competency. The second thing is, and you kind of said it, Philip, determine what people are going to pay. Mm-hmm. What will people pay for your competency? I am constantly in a mode of determining the cost of what we offer. Now, from the nonprofit world, the question you may be asking me is, how do you determine cost? Because you don't sell anything. Not true. The moment you submit a response to an RFP to a grant, what you are saying is, here's my business plan. Here's the budget. And here's the budget is an associated cost what I believe what you should pay for to get this service. And if I'm worth it, then you respond to it, right? right? This is the conversation you're having with the funder. And then lastly, it's a simple message. Sell, sell, sell. Yep. As a nonprofit, the selling process is seeing a, a proposal, a grant, and responding to it and submitting it. The submission of it is the ultimate sell. It is not about cupcakes, car washes. It is not about candy sales. It is not about anything else. The big ticket items that you want to be paid for, sell it. Write about it and sell it. Market it and sell it. Dr. Hughes, I, I, don't, I don't know if you have anything else. Philip, I see you want real, to jump back in here. Yeah, real quick Philip. before she jumps mm-hmm. in. Um, I just want to say in my mind as an entrepreneur from the for-profit side of things, and I've worked in the not-for-profit and I've worked in the federal government side of things, so I've seen it from different angles. There is no daylight between profit and for-profit and not-for-profit. Say it again. World. There's it no again. daylight. What I'm yep. talking about from a profit standpoint is the same concepts that work in the not-for-profit world. You just call them something different to feel better about it. Say it again. Say it again. You say it differently so you feel better about it. There's no daylight. And I'm going to tell you right now, even from a standpoint of working in a government agency, there's still no daylight. We just call it something different to feel better about it. So when I'm talking about this and you're saying, oh, he's just a capitalist and he's not. No, it, it's not about that. These these uh, psychology focused ideas work in all areas of the business world, whether it's for profit, not for profit government. If you don't have money, you can't pay your rent, whether you're That's for right. profit or nonprofit. If you don't That's have right. money. Good luck paying your, your the salary of your staff every two weeks. And, if you and don't I want to tell you right money, now, I work yeah. for a government agency, and guess what? Mm-hmm. That government agency got an electric bill from the electric company, and guess what they did? They paid the electric bill. Guess what? If you're a church, yep. you get yep. an electric bill from the That's electric right. company, and guess what? They don't give you a discount because you're a church. Facts. They don't give you a discount because you're a government agency. Facts. You pay the same amount of money that me – as as Joe Bob Smith, that's running my own little you know pizza business on the corner. Facts. Same amount is being paid. All right, Facts. I'm back up because I want to yield the floor to my my friend. Use. I'll say this too: if you don't got no money and you're not paying salaries and healthcare costs and 401k and all the other stuff, good luck operating your nonprofit or your for-profit business. Preach, Dr. Hughes. You want the last word? I'm going to say it like this. My mentor says, if you don't have sales, you're not in business. It doesn't matter if you're you're a for-profit or non-profit. If you don't have sales, you're not in business. Facts. Um, So when you talk about, you know, uh, monetizing your passion, do what you're good at. Don't run from 
what you're good at. That's right. Listen, there is a market for everybody. There is some. There is a. There is a concept for everybody. People are buying everything. Some of everything. Trust me. Just get out there. You, you know, if charlatans can make it, people who are ethical and credible can make it. You can make it. Don't be discouraged by what you see. You have to. When you're in business, you gotta think of it like a horse race. Run your race. That's right. I don't care if you have to put blinders on. You have a vision for your business. You have have a vision for what you want to do the hardest part sometimes is narrowing your focus like dr foster did sometimes the hardest part is finding your market your target market that's the trial and error piece. but you will do and you will make it but the main thing is you got to be confident don't be mealy mouth because people are not they're not buying your product or service they're making an investment in you and when you see yourself as an investment and what you have to offer you now create value a better value for what you have, what you are offering, and now people want to get behind it. They're not getting behind what you offer; they get behind you. And so you have to project yourself in a way that says, you know what? Gosh darn it! I ain't comparing myself to anybody else, but you know what? I'm like the best thing smoking right now, and you want what I have. And it's all about projecting that, like Dr. Foster said, and really getting in there. All it takes is one. All it takes is one and once you get that one you ride that wave you ride that energy to the next one and the next one and the next one but if you don't have sales you're not in business you have to get out of jail you need money to roll over to the next year for your budget for the next year and you need money for this 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 and this so you should be thinking of how am i financing the next thing and the next thing and the next thing don't look at it as oh you make profit no 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 you need to know the tax law of what is allowed for your nonprofit. but guess what you have the bills gonna keep rolling in so you have to change your mindset as it relates to you know your business and your business model but stop trying to imitate other people because people will know that and they won't get behind you but at the end of the day you don't have sales you ain't in business no way you gotta have folks if you have not tuned into our previous shows over the past two to three years this is what you've been missing this is what we've been missing <laughs> This is Dr. William Clark for Dr. Foster for Dr. Hughes. This leads for conversations. We'll see you in the next show. Peace.